0: Everybody and welcome to episode 94 of Metallica, the Metallica podcast. I am your host and fellow Metallica fan. My name is Brandon. On this episode, I am joined yet again by the great Scott Haskins, the host of Haskin Cast. In fact, this was recorded for Haskin Cast, and Scott was nice enough to let me use the audio and share with all of you in the Metallica Mundish. This is part four, the epic conclusion of our ride, the Lightning Deep Dive. So if you've not heard, The other three parts, stop what you're doing, check them out, enjoy, and then come back to this one, part four, the epic conclusion, where we talk about Creeping Death, yeah, and the call of Cthulhu. Uh, I had a blast doing this deep dive. Uh, Huge, huge shout-out to Scott Haskin and the Haskin cast. Give him a follow. Check out the show. Uh, all the links are in the episode description, but you can check out Cast everywhere you find Metallicast, Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, all the usual places. Um, if you're not following me on social yet, please do so, at Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, and before we jump into the episode, I want to give one final shout out, this one to my favorite one-man band, to Bison, who does uh, my intro music. Check out the links in the description and support Bison. Now, without further ado, here is part four, the epic conclusion to our ride, the lightning deep dive, where Scott Haskins and I discuss gripping death, yeah, in the call of Cthulhu. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, mill up your ass, yeah! The album ends with so much meat on the bones, and then ends with so much meat on the bones. Mm -hmm. You know, if these two songs are the middle point, this is where it dips the most. I don't think anybody can argue with that.
1: Yeah, I I think you're right. Uh, Our next song, though, Creeping Death, uh, is another one that is just a blast to perform. I'm not a big watching or like I don't listen to a lot of live albums. I'll watch live videos because I can feel the energy of it a little bit more. Uh, When I just listen to live music, I'm disconnected from it. The tempos don't necessarily make sense. But when you're watching it and you feel that energy, you understand why they're playing it at the tempo that they are. I love watching them play Creeping Death because they put so much into this. Lars especially. I mean, he'll just stand up. He'll walk around his drums and keep playing them. I mean, he's just he's kind of lost his mind. But this isn't the song where he loses his mind. (laughs) So here's (laughs) here's a little bit of Creeping Death. Now there's that low end that we were missing in trap under ice. It's, it's so much heavier listening to that sound versus that.
0: There's so many little things about this intro that I love Um, from the, you know, it starts off with like, just probably you it. And then it goes into when they repeat the section, they have the, those short spurts of harmony, right? With a very short guitar harmonization, which I think is just such a uh such a subtle way to just make it more interesting and to add to that build. And then you have that short break and then you have that bass do do do. And then it's just like off, you know? Like it's it's just a lot of very subtle nuances that work really well together for something that on the surface starts very basic
1: Mm -hmm. it's almost like being on one of those slingshot roller coasters where like the opening is watching people get into the chairs and getting locked in and then you slowly start the car and then boom they just shoot it up so that it can get up that first hill uh you know on those slingshot type rides and and it just from there it does not let you go at all
0: yeah yeah
1: and yeah. I love it. I, I love a good Egyptian story. I'm, I'm a fan of, uh, like, uh, Egyptian lore and that. So, so you've already got me drawn in with the story as
0: well. I, one of my, uh, guests on, uh, Metallica was, uh, Jewish. So he said, I have to choose creepy death as my <laughs> favorite Metallica <laughs> song, you know? Um, but, uh, it, it, this is just, I mean, classic, right? I mean, I, For When the Bell Tolls and Creeping Death are the two best live songs, in my opinion, from this record. I mean, dare I say, when you hear this song live, it surpasses the record version. I mean, to have thousands of people screaming, die, die, when you get to that bridge, like there's nothing more cathartic than that. And it, and this is such a great song that it fits perfectly anywhere in the set list. Um, they, I feel like they went a number of... They went a while, I feel like, where they kind of took this out of the set after performing it for so many times. And recently, it's worked its way back in at a lot of shows, which I love seeing. And it, it, at some of the shows, it's been near the front of the set. I loved when they... I think it was on the load Tour. they They came on stage all the house lights were on they would play so what and then the then it would kick into like full metallica show and they would start with creeping death and i just love that intro this is a great song near the end of the night but as as an opener it's fantastic and i don't think it's the most obvious choice as an opener because you think of kind of like them starting off with a full-on like thrash banger right and uh but it, it works perfectly, and the crowd interaction with it is just fantastic. And you know, I always say on my show that if nobody, if, if somebody had never heard of Metallica, I think "Master Puppets" is the perfect uh, Metallica song to play somebody. Well, I've heard other people say that "Creeping Death" is the best song to play for somebody who's never heard Metallica, and I, I'm not willing to argue that. I think, I think this just has, I think just is a great summary of, you know, kind of everything they do really great as a, as a metal band.
1: Yeah. It's a fantastic vocal. The song's got great movement to it. It grips you and never lets you go. Uh, The story is interesting. There's a lot of energy coming from every member of the band. Uh, For me, I, I could see this really closing the album. I think the ending of it is really like a concert type ending And it doesn't end the album, but it could have. Uh, I had a Creeping Death three song EP picture disc at one point that had uh, Am I Evil and Blitzkrieg on the back. And that was the first time I had heard those songs because the deluxe edition of Kill Em All hadn't come out yet. And um, those were added to that. But yeah, they were great songs. And I thought, wow, this is some really killer stuff. Any of these could have been on the album. But Creeping Death is it's just it's a great story. It's great riffs. The mix is really heavy on it. And I have to wonder if I would like Trapped Under Ice better. Well, no, I, I don't think I would, because I was going to say if, if I would like it better, if it had the heaviness that this does instead of that all mid range sound. But
0: it's its not the music that I don't like. It's the lyrics. Yeah. And, and this, I think, is, you know, for me, really showcases how much weaker song trapped under ice is because this is the full package. You know, you have you have the, the production, the mix, the riff, the the lyric, the vocals, the, the it's just the overall performance is killer. And I, I I think this is a great example of how um Metallica can takes something simple on paper and kind of over complicated without it sounding over without it sounding overcomplicated
1: <laughs> yeah but there's a lot of parts to this song I mean when you think about yeah. all the transitions from one riff to another to right. another there's actually a lot going on in this song but it almost, it almost feels like yeah somebody write, wrote it down on paper and other bands would just come and animate it and they were like no yeah. we're making a 3D model of this thing and you know right, just took yeah. it to
0: another level they make it just sound I, you know one thing I love about Metallica is that When you listen to a song, the first time you listen to it, it sounds really straightforward. Because a lot of the songs will fit like that classic pop song format. Even if it has like an extended solo section, it's still when you break it down, like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, you know, whatever. And um, But when you really break it down especially like in the solo sections there is so much going on with the riffs and the drums and all these very subtle changes whether it's a feel change or um a tempo change or a time signature change or whatever or what have you that it's really way more complicated from uh, a songwriting and structure standpoint, than it first appears, and I think "Creeping Death" is kind of an example of that, which is sort of what I meant when I when I was saying it's like you know they overcomplicate something that doesn't sound overcomplicated. Right.
1: Yeah. No, you're absolutely <laughs> I, I mean, right. I think I think too. Uh, this is some of my favorite solo work from Kirk on this album. The solo that he does in this song is just amazing
0: and what is interesting about this song too is uh uh part of the song the i believe it's the memory served me correctly the die by my hand that section is actually borrowed from uh an exodus song from when kirk hammett was he was the founding member in guitarist and songwriter for Exodus before joining Metallica. And this is actually borrowed from one of those early songs that he wrote wow. that I think was called Die by My Hand, maybe even. Um, huh. I somebody out there will correct me and that's fine. <laughs> um but that's how we learn. Yes. But um you know, but so it, it has it part of the song has its roots all the way back in his Exodus days before Kill 'em all was out and before he was in the band.
1: That's interesting. Well, I mean, it's it's fair. I mean, you look at David Mustaine took um, The Four Horsemen and, and uh, you know, took that and made his own song, which was basically The Four Horsemen with different lyrics uh, and a different title. But uh, Mechanics, I think you called it. But I didn't know that this came from that. But I love that part. That has to be one of the best mosh
0: pit parts oh, in, yeah. in any song I've ever heard. Well, like I said before, you have thousands of people going because the band will they will stop and they will get you going, die, die, die. And you have thousands of people chanting this word. To, if, if you're not familiar with Metallica or metal music, you're thinking all these people are crazy, right? Because they're chanting die over and over again as loud and as passionately as they can. And then they come back in, die, bye. And it's just punishing and it's, but it's so cathartic and so much fun. Well, and, and <laughs> the thing is, that, death upon the Egyptians. Because <laughs> you know
1: what have they done to us? But I, I love, right. I love the power of it. And I mean, now they're at the point where they don't even have to ask the crowd to do anything. The crowd just oh, starts no, yeah. doing You know, it's just yeah. part of the show now. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's it's a very powerful song from beginning to end. There, this is probably
0: one of the most flawless metal songs I've ever heard. I. Cannot and will not argue that point. I think this is um, a near perfect song. And, you know, it, it's really one of the strongest tracks in the whole record. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I'm i not normally one to say this is my dedicated favorite song from a band, because really, if you ask me f- what my favorite song is now, and then you ask me in 10 minutes, it's probably going to be something different. But I have to say our final track today is my absolute favorite Metallica song. When I think Metallica, this is the song I immediately want to hear. It it has gotten me through so many difficult times. It feels like it understands what I'm going through, yet it feels like it empowers me at the same time. I know that might sound weird, but that's what I get out of the song and probably why I love it so much. Our last track uh, relates to my favorite fictional monster. Or I'll say currently fictional because we haven't proven it doesn't exist yet.
0: <laughs>
1: yes, And until yes. that happens, it's a possibility. <laughs> Featured in Pirates of the Caribbean. This is not the song, just the monster. Call of Cthulhu. Or depending on where you're from, Call of Cthulhu.
0: Yes. I always say Cthulhu, which I'm probably saying it wrong.
1: Well, You know, there's no H in it. And there, yeah, it's, so the, it, it, it's with a K, so the actual one is C. It has a C and an H, yeah, a TH yeah. in it, and
0: there's no H, so this might be Cthulhu. Yeah, the spelling is different than how it appears by like H. P. Lovecraft, um, and how you see it in other places. I, I I don't know if that was intentional or just like they didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, we didn't have Wikipedia back in '83. Yeah. You know? But, but, it, but it works, you know? And this is one of the earlier... Um, what amazes me about this song is that this is one of the earlier tracks from a songwriting perspective. This, this dates back to when Mustaine was in the band. Um, and, you know, there's earlier demos of this song w- when it was called When Hell Freezes Over. Um, and to think that at least the basis of this song was started... When these guys were like 18 19 years old kind of boggles my mind um especially seeing like what they put out in with kill all obviously this track was not they felt it was not ready for that album right it needed more time um and perhaps burden and hammett were the missing parts that it needed to kind of uh to finish it up but i i i that always amazes me when i think of like how early at least the basis of the song was started and i always appreciate the balls this is your second album it is your um you know first album to be picked up by a major label how does it end with an eight plus minute instrumental yeah and 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 it's not your traditional you know metal instrumental that you might expect like you might expect just like you know an eight minute thrash metal shred fest again right Uh, like i was we were talking about the kirk hammett solo debut and but that's but that's not at all what you get It 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 it's like listening to a film score it tells a story
1: yeah, there's a lot of fast playing from Kirk in this one, but this is also some of my favorite solo work of his because it, it's within the context of the song. You know, I, I always reference that on my Magicians podcast because Mick Mick can play fast. He's very talented, he's, he's a very fast guitarist, but he finds a way to do it within the confines of the song, which is like where I said earlier, talking about guys like Imbe who go, okay, this is what would work for the song. Let me take and add 11 notes for every note that I would play normally. You know, and just right. just get as much in as I can. That's why I like listening to Mick Box more. And I feel that Kirk really just nailed the feel of this. He's playing right on that edge of, if he played anything more, it would be too much, but he knew right where to stop. Like here's, I'm gonna push it to yeah. the edge and that's exactly where I'm gonna let it rest. And he's got a lot of solo work in this song, but the, yeah. the depth and the emotion of his solos, it makes me physically move in my chair which I don't normally do. Normally I can just sit there and listen to a song, but like this song physically grips me in a way that I can't think of another song that does. And I think that's why I'm so drawn to this one.
0: I love the fact that there is a bass solo in this song and it's not even at the front of the mix. You have to like, it's like, when you when you are focused in on what Cliff Burden is playing in this track, there is a point where he's just soloing, going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And 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 it's not even the main focus in the mix of the song. It's just there. Well, it's and, just there. and
1: he does this really amazing effect track that really just brings out, I think, another dimension in the song. There's just like it, it's it's just what like one note that'll just be like out of place, but also not out of place at the same time. And it just kind of makes you go, wait a minute, what was that? That was really cool. And then when he does it again, yeah. you're like, okay, wait, I want to rewind that and listen to that part again and really hear what he's doing. But it's just like one note that's, that's just there.
0: And it has mm-hmm. such
1: a cool sound to it that it's it's really intriguing.
0: So for I, I'm interested to get your views on this. Uh, for me, For me personally, uh, if I looked at the, the you know, Instrumentals Off, Lightning, Puppets, and Injustice, uh, Call of Cthulhu was actually my least favorite really? of the three. Okay, Ar- Orion being my absolute favorite. I think Orion's just uh, beautiful atmospheric work, and it's just, it, it, for me, it takes me to another place, especially when I hear the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun in that whole middle section.
1: Yeah, Cliff is amazing um, on that song.
0: But what really made the Call of Cthulhu for me personally was the S and M version with the symphony orchestra, and I and I'm and I'm curious uh, if how familiar you are with that version and what your thoughts are compared to the record version.
1: I've heard it a few times, and I have to say it's amazing. I mean, the the orchestra added so much to it because the orchestra could have just come in and played the rhythm. And thickened up the song, but they really arranged something I think special for the orchestra to kind of make them their own section instead of just adding to the band. I hate when they do that, you know. I think that was one big thing when Metallica was working with the orchestra was that they really wanted to make them another instrument to to play along with instead of just you know replicating right. what they had already done. So I, kudos on that. Uh, I think that is the most controlled live version I've seen from Lars. And this is what I was getting to with him losing his mind, because whenever I see him play this live, he just kind of seems to forget that the band is there or that they're playing a song (laughs) and he just kind of does whatever. Like he's hitting crash cymbals and snares in places that just they just don't go. And he just kind (laughs) of loses. And I love that. I I absolutely love it because it's just a complete mystery what he's going to do in that song. Um, I think for me, because the album version connects with me to the level that it does, I think that remains my favorite, but I will say the orchestra version is absolutely mind blowing.
0: Yeah, I, I, I mean, I cannot argue with anything that you just said either. I, 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 love the studio version. I always, I, I, going back to what you said before, I would actually, I, what it's funny when I, I appreciate it now more as an adult with more sophisticated ears. Um, but when I first heard this album when I was in middle school, I kind of thought like the album ended with such a whimper. And I think if you had The Call of Cthulhu and then Creeping Death, like you were saying, ending the album with that, that would have had a bigger impact on me. And I maybe would have appreciated Call of Cthulhu a little bit more leading into like that final Track it, it kind of like what Master Puppets and Injustice for All does, right? You have Orion, mm-hmm. and that goes right into Damage Inc. It's like perfection in my eyes, in my ears. Um, but uh, but yeah, now going back with more sophisticated listening skills and stuff, I, I have a new appreciation for the Call of Cthulhu. But that s&m version, I think, um, when that came out when I was later. In middle school um i appreciated i i started appreciating the track a lot more i think because that made me want to go back and revisit the original uh on ride the lightning
1: well and a lot of times too you know you might like a song but it just at the moment you hear it because of whatever mood you're in or maybe your mind is on something else or it just doesn't grip you in that moment a lot of times you'll go back and listen to a song or an album later and go you know what this is actually really good and like yeah. when I, if I hear something and I don't particularly care for it, I try not to write it off. You know, I think, well, yeah. maybe it was my mood or maybe it just wasn't, I'm just not into that right now, or I'd rather be doing something else. So I'm not giving it full attention or whatever. And I try to maybe a couple years later, remember to go back and give it another chance because tastes change, times change, whatever mood you're in is going to be different. Uh, so I, I could appreciate that. You know, you liked it more a little bit later. I'll I'll make a side note about Orion. I love that song as, as a drummer, even though it's so simple, it's just a fun groove to play. And I yeah. would I used to listen to that when I would walk to work, and I would listen to Orion, and then I would listen to the intro to Damage Inc. because that is one of my favorite things I've ever heard Cliff do. I love that oh, yeah. opening, uh, full volume, and then slowly bringing the volume down. So <laughs> you know, <it> counterbalances <laughs> what he's doing. But I, and then I would just stop that and then go back and listen to Orion again. And then, you know, until I got to work, that's what I used to do with my little cassette Walkman because um, I'm old. And um <laughs> yeah, I, I have great appreciation for 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 that as well. This one, like I said, it just there's just something about this that grips me in a way like his sol- Kirk's solos on these, especially the part where all of a sudden it just gets gritty for a few notes that it's like, where did that come from? How did he add that distortion just to that, that little bit? And then it goes back to the regular distortion. There's just something that really pulls me in with this song that is really unlike anything else. And honestly, that was from the very first time I heard it. And, and I always have that connection to the song. I've never once listened to this song and not felt that. So for me, I, it's hard to have something else be written and, and come in and top that kind of power.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a, a side note at you because okay. I'm curious to get your thoughts on this song once you listen to it. I I do not think personally this is a very great song. Okay, but I'm going to mention it to you uh, for uh, it'll be obvious why in a moment. So uh, in the late '90s, Megadeth came out with a, an album called "The World Needs a Hero." The last song of the album is called "When." And the whole song is basically uh, the clean part on from the Call of Cthulhu. And then the chorus is basically, am I evil?
1: <laughs> okay, so we're having uh, chocolate and then meatloaf and then chocolate again. <laughs> like, that's a weird yeah.
0: combination. Of I, again, I do not think it's a very good song. I like Megadeth. I don't think it's a very good song. But I think it's somebody who likes the call of Cthulhu and Am I Evil? It's an interesting listen. Because I mean, Mustaine, like I said, he co-wrote the Call of Cthulhu. So he kind of rips himself off. Right. It's like a like almost the same. It I, I don't know. I don't re- I'm like trying to remember the Megadeth song, even though I haven't listened to it in years. But I believe it's like the same chord progression. I believe it's pretty much the same as the, you know, the the beginning of it. And then it go and then the melody of the chorus is basically am I evil? Which which to the point where I feel like I don't think Diamond Head gets like a writing credit on the track, but like he has said in interviews, like he asked them permission to pay like homage to them, you know. Oh, okay. So well, at so least he it did is it right. It it is like a purposeful thing. Um I'm gonna be curious to see how he transitions that. Yeah, I wish I I see. I'm gonna have to go back and listen to the song now too. I'm throwing I'm throwing like something at you that I myself have not listened to in years. <laughs> well, that's fair. I, I want I'm gonna have to see if I can find the versions of Hell Hell
1: Froze, Fro, freezes over too. I think yeah. if they they could have put that as the opening track to side two and then done trapped under ice if they wanted to be ridiculously cliche. you know well let's let's i'm gonna what i'm gonna do because you know we've been playing the beginnings to all the songs in metallica especially on this album tends to have these long intros i'm going to play a little bit into the song because i think that's where the magic really is for me yeah yeah that's creeping death that's not going to help anybody right now (laughs) I love how heavy it sounds. And again, it's like that chunkiness without being chunky. But I'm yeah. also hearing a slight touch of flange in parts of that too. Mm-hmm. I've noticed that. It's it's such a great song though. Um, I'm trying to remember where the solos are at. I think they're a little bit earlier than that. Let me see if I can find them. There's just some some amazing solo work from Kirk in there. And also, I want to yeah. point out, not just his playing, but I love the sound of his guitar. Sometimes when yeah. you're playing on, because he plays a lot of higher notes on the solos, and sometimes when you're playing those, those can just pierce your ear a little bit. But it's just the sound he's getting is fantastic. And He could have played any note on that guitar, and I think I would like it.
0: Yeah. I, again, it goes back, you know, to kind of bring it full circle. There's that control, you know, and it's just... I think that's the my biggest takeaway from this album is that it has a new level of control and focus that they did not have on Kill them all yet um, because of their youth, because of their, you know innocence, ignorance, however you want to word it. And now they're taking their experience, their tools that they have in their tool chest and branching out and pushing, you know the the subgenre of thrash metal, forward in a lot of ways it, having a classical music introduction having a more ballady song having an eight minute instrumental uh to close the record um having more mid-tempo stuff you know it, it sounds simple in retrospect but when this album came out in 1984 th- thrash metalheads were freaking out you know and um and and like i said again i think this album really set the foundation for more so than kill em all kill em all introduced the world to metallica or ride the lightning introduced that classic metallica sound that would appear on every metallica album that followed even when they went in different directions like on the black Album, load reload but when you look at those records too even those are a continuation of what they started on ride the lightning being called sellouts trying new things Being called sellouts with the black album, releasing Nothing Else Matters, being called sellouts on load and reload because they cut their hair and experimented with like blues and more like kind of straightforward hard rock type stuff. You know, It, it to me that this album, Ride the Lightning, sets forward everything else that followed in their career musically.
1: Well, and for anyone who wants to complain about nothing else matters, when Elton John goes on uh, national television and tells yeah. James Hetfield that's one of the best songs ever written,
0: um, shut up. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and argue with Sir Elton John, and you will walk away feeling like a
1: fool. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I honestly, like, I, I've tried to put myself in in James Hetfield's chair thinking about like what would that be like if hans Zimmer ever said to me that's the greatest piece of yeah. film music I ever heard or something uh, something that I wrote uh yeah. i I can't even I can't even fathom what that must have felt like I, that is the greatest compliment from one of the most successful and greatest songwriters of all time
0: and his reaction you know like again showing your vulnerable side right getting choked up on air and just I, I don't know if you saw the video of it at all i did Um, yeah but yeah he's like you know wiping tears away but i'm like yeah you just had a legend like you said one of the greatest songwriters that we know from the last you know 50 years, 60 years. However, uh, what year are we in right now? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh... I
1: mean, the only thing that would really beat that would be like John Lennon coming back from the dead to tell you that you're a great songwriter. I mean, that's right. It's yeah, just yeah. Like, yeah. But I I honestly like I would have needed a bucket for my tears had that been me because it, it just would not have stopped. You know, I'd still be crying yeah. months later. Yeah. Um, and the word and the, and the most amazing part of that is that he almost didn't share it with the band because he didn't think it was good enough for hard enough to be a metallica song he's like this is you know yeah. it's just too weak and and lars lars again was the one that yeah. was like no you've gotta you know yeah uh, so i think lars deserves just as much credit for for making it happen but and that's totally. the thing that that these guys have gone through a lot of experimentation they've tried a lot of things but when you look at what was going on with them outside of the music the the drug addiction the alcohol addiction the cliff's death uh dealing with you know trying to integrate jason into the band and all of that stuff when they weren't really ready to have somebody else take Cliff's spot you know um so many things that they've had up and down ups and downs with the the fact that they were even continuing to make music at all is pretty amazing i haven't enjoyed everything that they've done since then but i can have great appreciation for
0: the fact that they still did it yeah and you know, I, I they're my favorite band of all time. I appreciate each album because I can take it as its own thing. I can listen to a record and not compare it to Master Puppets or Ride the Lightning or the Black Album or anything else that came before. I can I'm I'm able to kind of take it as its own thing, and I think once you do that, you can appreciate it more. And I'm not and, and I'm saying that's I mean I even comparing to their old records, I like the new stuff too, but. You know, it, it's. Um, I think you gotta just approach different things with an open mind, and you know, and in an album like um, saying Anger, an album like Lulu, the Lou Reed one, obviously they get crapped on all the time. I get it, I get the criticisms, but those are not albums that are intended to listen to one time and be done with. You know, we talked about before, like having to go back for. Uh, repeated listen sometimes. And if if you do not have the patience or tolerance for that, I respect that. I get that. Not everybody does. And some people are like, if it does not hit me right away, I'm moving on to the next thing. I get it. I completely get it. I'm like that with other things besides music, you know, but music sometimes if something's interesting enough, I, even if I'm not sure if I like it, if it's interesting enough, I'll go back and dig a little bit deeper into it, you know, and see and see what ends up sticking. And, you know, those albums, also not my two favorite metallic albums. You know, I, I did not list St. Anger as my top three, but I like that album, and I really appreciate it for what it is. And Lulu, I can appreciate for its own thing, too, you know? So it's just about, if if all those metalheads back in 1984 went into Ride the Lightning with an open head, you know what? You would have appreciated Fate to Black like we all do now.
1: <laughs> that's, yeah, that's absolutely right. And that's why I was thinking too, like I was wondering what people who had who had been through the Kill em All experience when it was released and then heard Ride the Lightning for the first time and they hear that opening of Fight Fire with Fire, like, who the hell is this? First of all, this sounds way too clean to be a metal band. You know, it's supposed to be right, raw yeah. and, and, you know, unkempt yeah. and whatever. Uh, but but that's the thing, like that's that was the whole point of me doing The Magician's Podcast the way I did it was that I didn't want to say, you know, let's compare this song to this other album. It was really, let's just listen to each song and take that song for what it is. You know, it doesn't have to be better or worse than Easy Living. It doesn't have to be, you know, more enjoyable than Lady in Black. It's just, let's enjoy this song and everything about it. And, you know, because Uriah Heap went through so many periods, like Metallica, they sounded one way in the early 70s. They sounded a Mm -hmm. different way in the mid-70s. Come the 80s, it was very 80s. Now they have this huge, heavy sound to them. Um, I would say that they they could rival Metallica's sound very easily right now. Uh, they're just heavy, you know. Yeah. So I mean, there's so many things that a band goes through. But you're talking completely different generations of music during that time: punk, disco, new wave. You know, all those things that yeah. are going to have influence on those bands. Metallica came in, you know, while the new wave British invasion was happening. So for them to even find some some space to carve and say, hey, we're also going to do something kind of new, check yeah. it out, was a pretty amazing feat of it of itself. And of course, they're going to try different things. They're going to transition. If every album was Ride the Lightning, I would have lost interest years ago.
0: Yeah. And most, most any artist that's been around for any amount of time, it's the same thing, right? Like it you know uh, except for acdc
1: acdc and the rolling stones are pretty much exactly what they were
0: yeah um but you know you you gotta you gotta branch out and that's one of the things i like about metallica i know whenever the next metallica comes out i know it's gonna sound enough like metallica where i feel comfortable because they're my favorite band but at the same time, I have no clue what to expect and what it's going to sound like, and I like that about them. You know, they they have their sounds. Like Hetfields is going to sound like Hatfield's, Lars is going to sound like Lars, Kirk will sound like Kirk. You know, but I have no clue what they're going to be doing. Are they going to be doing like a country western song like they did on Load? Are they going to be doing, um, you know, a ten minute avant garde song with like they did with Lulu? Are they going to? have you know no solos and the brash production of saint anger or is it going to be you know master puppets part two i have or something completely different i have no clue so that that's what's exciting i think that's what makes you know uh music and artists who um have been around for so i think that's what makes it exciting and uh for anybody and you know what i've talked a lot about, you know, they get flack for this, they get flack for that. At the end of the day, though, people must like it because they're still the biggest metal band in the world. They're still selling out stadiums. Their, you know, last two albums still debuted at number one on the Billboard charts. And, you know, people people are still buying what they are selling. So... Uh, well, historically, you, aren't they one of the, like, all-time top-selling bands? They've yeah, got to be yeah. up there. Yeah. They... they Uh, I mean, they've sold. I'm not sure what the exact number is, but they've sold over 100 million albums. The Black Album is, you know, one of the best selling albums of all time. It's it's the best selling album of the SoundScan era. So how we, which I think came out in the early 90s. So basically, when that album came out, it has not it has not stopped being the top seller, Um, and, and that's of any. Art as any genre of music so wow.
1: i would have thought I master mean, puppets would have been their top selling but i think uh the black album is probably more relatable to a wider audience
0: the black album sells like three to four thousand copies a week still jeez
1: and that came out they, so we're talking 32 years and it's still selling yeah. like that's a that's absolutely amazing
0: when hardwired to self-destruct their last studio came out in 2016 mm-hmm. when that came out i remember seeing the iTunes rock charts hardwired was number one number two was the black album Wow! <laughs> and <laughs> they're just knocking themselves out that's great and, and, and the rest and the rest of the top 10 was like newer releases mm-hmm. yeah so it's like it, it's 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 the the album has no end in sight like i have two kids i guess they'll be buying the black album because that seems to be you know That's right you yeah. ask yourself like who's buying this i guess you know you buy another copy you lost your cd you lost your cassette whatever it is you're, you buy digitally now whatever you rebuy it and mm-hmm. the new generation buys it and before you know it, it's like you know three thousand copies a week
1: well, and to think that Metallica's black album has outsold the Beatles white album really yeah. keeps the, the spectrum yeah. completely
0: unbalanced. <laughs> um, Jason Newstead was asked in an interview and basically I forget exactly how he said it, but he basically said if he did nothing but the black album, he would be fine. Oh like yeah. he's he's able to just live off the royalties of the black album if he wanted to. Which, when you think about that, is truly amazing. <laughs> and that
1: that would have been what his third project, second full album, but third project, right? Because his first was yeah. the EP, the Garage, the garage Days, days. Yeah. yeah, Which I thought he was great on.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and talk about what a situation to walk into, you know. But I, I, I love Jason Newstead. I miss him a lot of times, especially in a live setting. But I, I think, I think it was one of those things where, like, I think he needed to leave so the band could continue. I don't think there was a way to move forward with him in the band, unfortunately. And I love Rob Trujillo. I, and and Robert, and this is not not knock against Jason, but Rob Trujillo um, as a bass player ha, has like a style of playing that I prefer. He's, he, it's back to kind of what Cliff Burton was doing with like the finger picking and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, uh, I never was uh, played with a pick. So like Jason Deuter was always like a little like, oh, it was really cool, but like I I, I just I had a harder time relating to his style of playing. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I I love that three finger strumming that Robert Trujillo does. It's it's just so amazing oh, yeah. to watch yeah. somebody play with that way. Yeah, uh, I think he's a fantastic player. Uh, I I watched some of the auditions that they did, and I'm like, I, it it takes stones to audition for Metallica. You know, yeah. it really to walk into that room and say
0: I'm good enough to play with you guys. That takes some stones. And I you know it's funny in the some kind of monster documentary, they show snippets of the auditions and from what they show. I mean, obviously it's edited But from what they show. He's like he, he's way beyond like where the others were. And these are obviously really skilled, well-known people. You know, they're not just bringing in me, <laughs>
1: you know? or me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah well i think though less you know? Les claypool was probably about the funniest one that they could have oh, auditioned yeah. because yeah he, he's just not that genre i mean he's a very yeah. talented bass player but what he does is so i don't think yeah. his his style would have fit in at all with what metallica does and i don't no. think he he could be anybody but less claypool
0: yeah no one of my dream guests for Metallica is less claypool just because i feel like He's such a unique character and very smart and insightful and to just hear um you know his audition process firsthand and to um and you know just about his own Metallica fandom and and you know he collaborated with uh Heffield made a cameo on like a Primus album back in the late nineties, early two thousands. So I'd just be fascinated to hear about all that stuff, you know
1: probably got more fishing stories
0: than anything else but yeah <laughs> <laughs> Well, less if you're listening this that's is an right open invitation we, we've now invited lars and Les. we can come on together you know well and, and, and to be
1: fair to everybody i mean i would be happy to interview anyone in, in metallica you know i i don't want to limit it to lars i i'm a drummer so i'm probably more connected to lars but I, yeah. I i would certainly happily talk to anybody in the band so if you are the publicist of metallica <laughs> uh
0: you know let's let's connect Oh, yeah man. it's a it's a very difficult uh uh organization to uh crack into well you gotta figure <laughs> i mean the, the demands for a band like that
1: are probably absolutely humongous so i i imagine they get yeah. thousands of inquiries on a daily basis well,
0: you know in this day and age too uh, they seem to be more selective with um you know who they accept so you figure if their options are you know the Tonight Show, Howard Stern, or Metallicast. Guess, guess the two they're choosing. <laughs> right, right, yeah, Metallicast. <laughs> yeah, well, obviously, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's some,
1: some just get tired of interviews, and some just like yeah. you know my my time at this point. Like I've put in my time, and we've done millions of interviews over the years. Now, yeah. I'm kind of at a point where I don't really need the promo. So, yeah, I'd rather do this like I'd rather play with my kids or, or whatever. And I don't I, yeah. I mean, I would love to talk to them, but I certainly can't say, you know, you're being jerks because you don't want to talk to anybody anymore. I, mean, I totally respect yeah. and appreciate where they're at. Uh, if I was famous, I'd probably feel the same way.
0: Yeah, I would just want everybody to. Leave. I want everybody to leave me alone now. Most of the time, never <laughs> yeah, mind.
1: Yeah. That's why I have an outgoing podcast instead of an incoming one. Yeah, know. that's right. <laughs> well, Brandon, thank you so much for joining me for our seventy-two part uh, review of, of Metallica's Ride the Lightning. Is, I, the, is this is this still going to be two parts? Oh though? God, no. This is probably going to be three or, or maybe four. Uh, but it. I I've enjoyed talking to you about this so much. I'm I'm glad we could really dig into this. I actually learned quite a bit. I didn't know that uh katulu for for example had had been part of the Mistane era. I never knew that. So it's uh it's good. And I'm gonna check out that Megadeth song. I'll let you know what I think. It's gonna be interesting to see uh
0: how how that all ties in. And you know, any mistakes that I made, you can let me know. Let me know. Yeah let Hit him me up know. on social media. <laughs> I'll take all the blame for all the false information in this uh in this podcast but you know huge thank you to you for letting me come on um this is the it's funny this is the third time we've collaborated but the second time we've done it together that's right you were kind you were kind enough to do a metallica's episode i took like a mini uh paternity leave from my own podcast mm-hmm. and uh so i did i had guest hosts come on for uh, my friends of misery um like mini season and and you were kind enough to contribute to that. So thank you for that. Oh, I was, I was very uh, honored to be asked. That was a lot of fun. Thanks. And so it's, it's wonderful to uh, be back talking to you. I I was going to say in person, but this is as person as, you know, we can get, (laughs) this is more than I
1: talk to people locally. (laughs) 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 <laughs> yes, <Yeah, same. laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's great I, I love your passion for the band i love your insight i mean i i i'm a big fan of metallica i've spent a lot of years being you know very familiar with their music i played a lot of it as a drummer um i've tried to play some of it as a bass player and i that's way out of my league at this point uh, i'm still working on like mary had a little lamb <laughs> <laughs> which which they have not covered uh, yeah. but, uh, yeah, no, I, I, really, I always enjoy talking to you. We have some great conversations and, and your insight is appreciated and you're, you know, you're welcome back on the show anytime. So keep in touch and, uh, we'll, uh, I'll have all the links for reaching Brandon and correcting him in the show notes, but check out <laughs> Metallicast guys. He's got a lot of, you have, what, do you know how many episodes you're at at this point?
0: No, because I. I've done weird things because I I, I number the regular episodes, but then I've done like, you know, like I did um, in summer for all one summer, which was like all uh, which was my um, injustice for all breakdown. But that was like a special like thing. And then I did, you know, something similar for the black album. And then I've done like various live streams. So I I must've done over a hundred episodes. I the next numbered episode will be number 90. So I'm getting close to number 100 numbered, but I've already done over 100. (laughs) And and let me tell you guys, it is
1: hard doing this by yourself. Like we we have friends that are, you know, have like co-hosts, a regular co-host on their show. And sometimes I just feel like, I need to find a thesaurus and find some new adjectives because I feel like I describe my passion for things very similarly similarly from one to another. Uh, But it is is very difficult sometimes uh, being your own host. You're responsible for everything. The making the episode happen, the editing, the uploading, the promotion, all that stuff falls on you. And it can be a little bit daunting sometimes, but the reason we do it is because we're passionate about what we do. Otherwise, why the hell would we do it?
0: absolutely you know i've had um guests on from like the early days of metallica who knew the band who've parted with the band who've been to the early shows who worked with the band etc um and and multiple of them you know started um the fanzines you know from uh the fanzines um from you know those early 80s uh, the, all those you know, the 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 spread the word of all these local and young and up and coming metal bands and they're like, you know, this is what you doing the podcast is very similar, but this is like the modern way of, you know, paying tribute to the music and the in the band that you're passionate about, you know? Yeah. And and could and and because a big part of my podcast is yeah, I've had, you know, those type of guests on. I've had, you know, um musicians on and some well-known some lesser known whatever but of the bulk of the episodes are me communicating with other fans right and be because you know it's um that was my main goal starting this was just to be come a small part of a large community and be able to meet other fans and have who think like me who or don't think like me but have similar passions that and, you know, and just start those conversations. That to me is the fun part of doing the podcast.
1: Yeah. And, and it, you know, it's, it's great to share your thoughts and feelings. And sometimes, you know, you, you will meet people that, that share similar things, or maybe they started thinking along a different way because you shared something with them. That's what I love too, is when people contact me and like, you know, I never heard that part in that song that you were just talking about, or, Yeah, I I had never heard this song before. I, you know, I get a lot of people saying, well, I know you're Heat, but I can't think of any of their songs. And they start listening to the podcast and they become fans. So there is a there is a definite reward of sharing things that you're passionate about. And it's, you know, it's, it's definitely been a bright spot in the podcast. But guys, check out Metallicast. It's fantastic. Links in the show notes. Brandon, thank you so much. Come see us again. We'll we'll do another show.
0: This is too much fun not to. I appreciate it, Scott. Thank you so much. And I'm looking forward to next time. Next time, though, we're going for like a full six hours, I think. I think we can do it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll do we'll do the deluxe version of Master of Puppets or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a second uh, by second review. <laughs> there you go. Take care, my friend. We'll see you soon. Have a great day, guys. Cheers.